Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 91 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. In today's episode, we'll be digging into the importance of physical activity. For this conversation, I was joined by Dr. Jackie Street. Dr. Jackie is the creator of Fit for a Queen Wellness Consulting, a program designed specifically for women of color to help identify and work through mindset barriers that stop them from living a life that is healthy, balanced, and lively. She also provides counseling services in Texas for professional women suffering from increased stress, exhaustion, and loneliness. Dr. Jackie and I chatted about some of the benefits you can experience from physical activity, how to increase motivation towards physical activity, and how to address some of the common barriers that might get in our way. If you hear something that you really connect with while listening, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Street. Thanks for having me, Dr. Joy. You know, I am a big fan of yours and the work that you're doing. So it's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show today. Thank you. And I'm equally excited because, you know, you wrote a great blog post for us about this a couple of weeks ago. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast to kind of share more about those ideas and for us to really dig into like the importance of physical activity. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited about writing that post too. I love, love talking about this, especially for women of color. I think it's important for us to be advocates for ourselves. So exercise is a big part of our overall wellness, and I really get excited about talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so let's just, <laughs> let's just start with why is it so important for us to engage in physical activity? Exercise is an important part of building our own overall wellness. It's been shown to help fight against chronic disease, and it helps us reduce the risk of premature death. But for Black women specifically, the movement of exercise is extremely important because we are at a disproportionately higher level of being impacted by chronic illnesses such as diabetes, stroke, heart disease, other conditions. And these conditions are at least partly related to how we care for ourselves physically. So for us taking responsibility for our health by adding movement and exercise into our lives can help fight against these diseases. So that's part of it. And in addition to that, exercise can help lead to an improved quality of life. It's not just about fighting off disease. For example, you may find that once you start exercising a little bit more, you're able to play a little longer with your kids outside in the backyard. You may be able to go to your child's football or soccer game and walk the stadium without your knees or your back hurting. You may notice improved mental clarity, improved focus. So this isn't just about your life expectancy, but your quality of life can also improve. 
So in addition to that, there are plenty of benefits in terms of our own mental health and our own day-to-day stress too. So can you say more about that, Dr. Stray? Because that was my next question. Like, what are some of the direct mental health impacts that Mm. we can get from exercise? Yeah, that's a great question. So in addition to the physical benefits, exercise can help with our day-to-day stress, right? So the stress that we have that's connected to our jobs, taking care of our families, financial stress. We know that when we use exercise to increase our heart rate, it triggers brain chemicals that help us reduce stress. We hear about the feel-good emotions, the endorphin release. The release of these brain chemicals can help us manage our stress on a chemical level. So in terms of day-to-day life, it can help reduce that or reduce the stress with that. In terms of other benefits, sleep. I think many of us have trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep. So guess what? Exercise can help with that too. In the same way that chemicals are released in our brains that regulate stress, same thing happens in terms of the chemicals that help us regulate our sleeping pattern. And so when we get a good amount of sleep at night, guess what? We tend to feel rested and energetic the next day. So we've already talked about how exercise can help with energy level And it can definitely be a domino effect in that one benefit, the energy can lead to another benefit, can lead to another benefit. Yeah, I do think that's so important, Dr. Stray, because I think sleep is often overlooked in terms of like the connection it has to our mental health. You know, and if you think about it, like when you're not getting consistently good sleep, you're probably more anxious, more cranky, more irritable, just all of those things that, of course, you know, are an impact on our mental health. Absolutely. I teach that at least in in my counseling practice all the time. There are so many behavioral changes that we can make in our day-to-day life and having a, a, a pretty consistent sleep schedule will help with depression. It'll help with anxiety and vice versa. So, so exercise helping regulate sleep can, again, be the domino effect for these other issues. So, you know, of course, in addition to sleep, the more severe emotional and psychological issues, concerns about depression, anxiety, these same brain chemicals that help us regulate our mood, exercise can help impact these chemicals too. So, We know, you know, in research that exercise on a regular basis can help decrease depression. And this is partly due to the chemicals in our brain being regulated, but it's also possible that engaging in the behavior of exercise can help reduce depression. So in psychology, there's this technique called behavioral activation, right? So it's a tool that we use to help someone with depression participate in activities that they have enjoyed in the past or maybe that they will enjoy or may enjoy in the future. So for a person who's battling depression, adding movement into your daily routine can help reduce depression by triggering these brain chemicals and also by helping that person participate in behaviors that help build a sense of accomplishment, a sense of pleasure, and especially during a time when these feelings are few and far between if you're having depression. So is there like a minimum time amount, Dr. Strait, where we are looking at like, okay, you need to exercise for this like 30 minutes or so to Mm -hmm. really kind of receive any kind of benefits? Any ideas about that? So I think that really depends on 
what kind of benefit you're looking for. I know that the American Heart Association has guidelines for uh, the amount of exercise that, that they request or require. I think it's 30 minutes a few times a week. But what I would say and what I say with the people that I meet every day is, you know, you got to start somewhere. So if that means that you can't yet find 30 minutes three times a week to exercise, my recommendation would be to start with 15 minutes. Something is always better than nothing. Even if it's a few minutes, if that's where you start, that's fine too. I think the closer you get to the recommended frequency and duration, 30 minutes or so a few times a week, the closer you get to that, I think the more benefit you're going to see in terms of depression, anxiety, sleep, those kinds of issues, and energy. Got it. So it's a new year. And you know, of course, I'm thinking a lot of people have likely made New Year's resolutions or intentions around like maybe wanting to be healthier, or having more physical activity. Are there some tips that you can offer for somebody who, you know, really feels like they want to do this, but, you know, maybe haven't been successful with kind of sticking with it in the past? Right. So a lot of my work is focused on looking at internal reasons for not completing exercise and movement. So I think that in the same way, using kind of an internal dialogue for ourselves, trying to help us figure out what are our challenges related to movement and exercise? What are the challenges that you have that are specific to you? I think that that's really important first step. I think many of us kind of want to jump to, okay, what do I need to do? How often do I need to do it? when we're not doing the internal work. So in terms of those special challenges and some of the reasons that we either pick it up or drop off or don't start to begin with, I think time <laughs> is mm. something that is a really, really big pressure for us. We're short on it, right? We're busier than ever before. We're trying to juggle work and taking care of kids and spending time with family and uh, hanging out with friends and you know, in my therapy practice, I hear stories every day from women who are stretched to their limit trying to manage multiple responsibilities. So, I mean, it's extremely difficult to find time to exercise, and that's a struggle. So if that's something that comes up for you, and I think for many of us it does, you definitely want to sit with that and kind of look at some strategies that can maybe help with that. So, for example, a strategy, if you're short on time, is Maybe, again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, finding 10 or 15 minutes every day. If you can't find 30 minutes, find a few minutes, start there, and then keep building. I think that's a, just starting with small blocks and then building up from there is a pretty decent strategy to have. I think specifically for women of color, when we think about movement, when we think about exercise, there are a lot of different emotions and feelings that come into play. And a specific challenge for women of color is that of isolation and loneliness. Joy, I can't tell you how many times I, I've walked into a gym or an exercise class and I've looked around and I'm the only black woman in the class. It can be really, really lonely sometimes to go through the struggle of being the only one. And so having one more place where we feel isolated is tough. I think that's why groups such as like Black Girls Run and mm -hmm. Black Women Do Workout and 
yoga retreats for women of color are so popular because I think it's important for us to have a space that feels inclusive and welcoming. So time for sure is a major challenge. The isolation, the loneliness that we sometimes feel is a challenge too. And to help combat that, what I would recommend is is to find your tribe, find a group or at least one other person that you can maybe walk with or hang out with. Maybe you could socialize and work out as a start. Um, I think that that's a way to, to kind of beat some of that isolation and loneliness that we oftentimes feel, um, but specifically when we're talking about adding exercise into our lives. Right. And I think that there was like an article I don't know if it was this year, like time really feels like it all runs together at some mm-hmm. point that talks about like being the only black woman in a yoga class and like people, you know, kind of staring and it just feeling like a very unwelcome place. So I do think, like you said, because it feels like there are so few places that really feel inclusive to us, it definitely can be a barrier to someone wanting to continue and keep up with that activity. For sure. And I think I remember reading that article as well. And and it just struck me. It struck me sort of deep in my heart. And I'm thinking, wow, she's absolutely right. That is, that happens more often than I care to think about. And I hear it so many times from women of color too. Yeah, it's definitely a struggle for us. And I think in addition to that, you know, there are other feelings, obviously. Oftentimes I hear women, we feel guilty, right? Because we believe that taking time for ourselves to exercise means that we're taking time away from something or even worse, someone else, our kids or our family. Um, So dealing or acknowledging that guilt and figuring out ways to deal with it. Overwhelm is another emotion that comes up pretty regularly when we think about how do we start or where do we start? Should I try to run? Should I do cardio or weight training? Should I do yoga? Should I do Pilates? What about a group class? There's so many options that we have to choose from that we really don't know where to start. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Dr. Straight, because that definitely is something that I wanted to get more information about because there are so many different things. And it feels like every year there's like a new hot one. Like right now, it feels like a lot of people do like Orange Theory and then it was CrossFit and, you know, all of these different kinds of things. And I do think for somebody who maybe really wants to get involved, but feels overwhelmed, like you said, by all of these choices and has no clue where to start, then you, of course, just kind of shut down sometimes and don't start anywhere. So what tips would you have for somebody who really wants to kind of start something but has no clue where to start? If a person has already kind of done their mindset work and tried to identify what barriers, what psychological barriers, what other barriers have kept them from participating in exercise on a consistent basis and you're ready to put in the work, What I would recommend is that this person, that you start integrating exercise and movement into your daily life. So definitely don't have to start with buying a gym membership, getting up at 4 a.m., drinking a raw egg, jogging 10 miles. I, I don't recommend that. You can start by maybe taking the stairs instead of the elevator. When you go to the grocery store, you can park a little bit further away than you normally do and and walk a little more. We have smart watches and activity trackers. They're really cool tools that you can use to track your activity. 
So maybe you challenge yourself to get a few more steps, maybe a thousand or a couple of thousand more steps in a day. I think the recommended number of steps is 10,000, but that sounds like a lot, right? Maybe you start with 5,000 in a day and you build on that. These are small changes that you can make in your life to be more active. And, and again, another mindset uh, idea or another mindset goal is to tell yourself that any progress is good progress. You do not have to make these large sweeping changes for exercise. You start with small changes, you keep building, and you try to stay consistent. I'm glad you brought that up because I do think, you know, we talk about like all these more popular things to kind of get involved with, but you don't even have to spend any money truly to like get your physical activity mm-hmm. in, right? Like you can just go up and down the stairs at your house or walk around the track at a local school if that's allowed or, you know, those kinds of things like there are free or very low cost ways that you can kind of get some of this exercise in until you maybe decide you want to try something else, but not to let cost be a barrier as well. Absolutely. And again, when we're talking about, we're either going to pay in time or money, right? So those are the two universal currencies. So if money is something that is a little bit hard for you, you're going to pay in time. You're going to need a little bit more time to do, to maybe do some of these things. But if you have time, let's say, like you said, Joy, to go to the track. And let's say that one of your challenges is the guilt, the guilt that comes in from taking time away from your family. How about you and your kids, you know, spend a day or two and you go for 30 minutes and you go to the track. You may find that you maximize your time, your efforts, right? Because you're spending time with your kids. They're able to get some more energy out and you're exercising and there can be an additional connection that you can make with your kids. So there are plenty of ways to try to integrate movement. It's not just about exercise because when we think about exercise, we think about the gym, we think about hours, we think about treadmills, and that's not necessarily true. If you can find a way to just move your body a little bit more, there are just tons of free and or low cost ways to do so and a track or again parking further away from a building or going walking in your neighborhood these are all tools that you can start off with for sure mm-hmm. and I don't know if people still do this as much you can tell me if you know Dr. Strait um, I know a while back people were like walking in the malls like you would see all these women kind of like power walking through malls and stuff <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know if that happens as much anymore but that's also an option especially as it's you know getting colder in lots of places you know you may not want to be outside in your neighborhood but a mall may be an option as well Correct. I know you're absolutely right. And even like I, I have clients who work in hospitals, walk around in the hospital, go mm-hmm. from one wing to the next. Even if your building is small, you know, if you go a couple of laps in the building, that's still more movement for you. Any progress is good progress. Yeah, yeah. And I think that something like that has the power to kind of invoke that community effect that you were also talking about. Cause then like your coworkers see you doing it and it's like, Oh, okay. I'll walk with you the next time you go kind of thing. So then it becomes of like a creating a culture of like wanting to get more movement in for the entire environment. For sure. For this journey that I'm on and this work that I'm doing is not just a professional endeavor, but you know, it comes from, a place of like personal development for me too. And I just remember, you know, in my own journey, 
kind of when the transformation started happening, I put in the work and other people around me, family, friends, girl, what are you doing? And wanting to be more involved in that. So now, you know, there are people around me who, who are starting to see the importance just with some of the work that I did on my own. And I think that that can also be the case for women as well. You can affect change, not just for you. You can increase your quality of life and potentially your lifespan, but not just that. What are we modeling to our children? What are we modeling to our families? What are we modeling to our friends, right? If we can start with our own change, we can affect change outside of that too. Mm-hmm. And another thing I love about your work, Dr. Strait, is that, and I'm guessing that this is intentional on your part, so I want you to say more about this, that there is not a real focus on losing weight, right? Like sometimes, of course, that happens as a byproduct of you getting more physical, but that is not the goal. And so can you say more about like why you are focused more on like health and movement as opposed to weight loss? That is a great question. I focus on that more because that's really where the internal work that we have to do is really where the change and the movement happens. When our internal mindset changes, our body can respond to that. We don't have to work from the outside in. We can work from the inside out. Oftentimes when I, when I talk to women of color about their health and wellness goals, I hear initially, right, I want to lose X number of pounds or I want to fit into my favorite dress or my favorite jeans. What we come to realize is that there are deeper, more meaningful goals that are connected to exercising. So it's not just about a number on the scale. It's not about what size clothes she wears. It's deeper than that, right? It's about having more control, more autonomy over our own health and wellness, over our bodies. It's about setting intention for more movement, knowing that, again, it will benefit you and your family today, and it will benefit you and your family in the future. It's also knowing that if you are able to actively care for yourself, if you're able to care for yourself in your mind, that will translate into your body. And then that's able to translate into mind, body, and spirit. You will be doing your part also in the future to reduce the burden of chronic illness on your children, on yourself, on your family, on the world. So that's why it's important. It extends beyond exercising just to lose a few pounds. Yeah. And you mentioned something that I think is important for us to focus on is kind of the idea of doing the work on the outside to impact the inside, which often is either fleeting or completely ineffective, right? Like when we say, oh, I want to like lose so much weight because then I'll feel better about myself. Usually that's not why you may not feel good about yourself anyway, right? Like you'll lose the weight and then you still don't feel so good about yourself. But kind of flipping that on its head and thinking about, okay, what's going on internally that I don't feel good about myself can then impact you in ways that may result in you losing weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's interesting is I see women on both sides of the spectrum. So women who have gone into weight loss planning, weight loss goals, who come in after doing that and saying, well, I lost X number of pounds, but I still feel 
empty or my self-esteem is still impacted. And we kind of have to do the work to back away from this idea. And I think in a lot of ways, it's a cultural Mm -hmm. factor, right? This idea that as a society, as a culture, we praise thinness as attractive and healthy and uh, what happens when there's some kind of transformation but they're ha- on the outside, but there hasn't been that internal transformation first. That's why this, this mindset work is so important. And specifically, again, for Black women, we generally have a different body type. It doesn't necessarily conform to what society views as ideal. So again, if we're, if we're looking at what's, what society is telling us, we really have to kind of weigh that against what we want to believe and what's a healthier way of looking at exercise, health, and wellness overall. And then how are we using exercise? How are we using movement to reinforce those messages? So society, their views are one way, and then there are psychological factors also that impact our health mindset. So an example of that would be, let's say growing up, you only saw your mother exercise when a vacation was coming, right? Or you heard a family member complaining about another family member looking fat and then in turn, and I put that in quotations, right? Looking fat. And then in turn, you see this family member starting to exercise a little more. So what do you think the message would be, what message is that sending to a young woman, not only about body image, but about the function, about the use of exercise? Do we only use exercise for special events? Or do we only use exercise to punish ourselves for being dissatisfied with our bodies? That's an example of a psychological factor that we really want to be mindful of because those are the kinds of things that may keep us from being more inactive or more active. Great points there, Dr. Street. So something that I have enjoyed, um, and of course we talk a lot about like social media and stuff here on the podcast, but I do think it has also kind of given space for people to kind of follow like work out of the day kinds of things and allow like different kinds of bodies and different kinds of people who talk about like fitness and health to kind of have a platform. Do you have any like favorite like YouTube channels or Instagram or Twitter accounts that you enjoy that you like recommend to either your clients or you know that you follow yourself? Sure. So I usually recommend a few podcasts that are more general in terms of wellness and self-care. There's most certainly, I think for these podcasts, an exercise and a fitness component when we're talking about using fitness and using movement, it's a tool, right? It's a part of overall wellness. And so let's see, podcasts. I really enjoy a Black Girl and Um. Mm-hmm. So it's the wellness, self-care, self-love podcast for black women, but it's heavier on the impact of yoga, right? And being more mindful in our lives and in our bodies. I think that that's important. So that would be one podcast that I would recommend. And then there's another podcast that I really like. It's a podcast on the fitness lifestyle and overall health. And the name of that podcast is Docs, D-O-C-S. And it really gives us a kind of a good idea of fitness as a lifestyle instead of 
exercise as a program. Does that make sense? Got it. Um, so those are the two podcasts that I would recommend. And then, you know, I'm a book girl. So a couple of books that I would recommend specifically for black women is there's a book by Dr. Gordon, I believe uh, her name is. The name of the book is Reclaiming Your Health. So it's a guide that talks about how um, African-American culture shapes our health choices and then what actionable steps that we can take to increase our overall health. So that would be another resource that I would recommend. Nice. So where can people find you online, Dr. Strait? What is your website as well as any social media handles you want to share? So you can find me at www.fitforaqueenwellness.com. That's our website. And please feel free to join us on Facebook or Instagram. And the handles are Fit for a Queen Wellness. You'll find, you'll find me on both platforms under Fit for a Queen Wellness. Perfect. And of course, all of that information will be included in the show notes for people to reference. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Strait. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joy. This has been so much fun. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful that Dr. Jackie was able to join us to share her expertise today. To find out more about her consultation program or her practice, and to check out the resources that she shared, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 91. And don't forget to let us know what you thought about the episode by sharing your takeaways with us on Twitter or in your IG stories using the hashtag TVG in session. This weekend, on Sunday, January 27th, Dr. Natalie Jones, who was our guest on the Truth About Narcissism episode, and I'll be sure to link that in the show notes if you missed that one, will be joining us in the Yellow Couch Collective for a Q&A session to answer questions about recognizing and handling gaslighting. So if you love the information that she shared in that episode and want a chance to chat with her, Join us in the Yellow Couch Collective at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. If you're searching for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit our directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And don't forget to grab your TBG sweatshirts, t-shirts, mugs, or a copy of our guided breakup journal in the TBG store at therapyforblackgirls.com slash shop. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.